Lord, there is just uh, an infinite and eternal river flowing from your throne of goodness and life and healing to the nations. Thank you for that image and revelation. So we just say, as we enter into this difficult subject today, river flow. River of life flow. Let the leaves of that tree of life bring healing to the nations. And Lord, we just, we just trust you. We love you. So Holy Spirit, come. Speak your truth and impart it not just in our heads but in our hearts. And I just ask, Holy Spirit, um, for encounters with Jesus even as I'm speaking. Thank you, Lord. So uh, two weeks ago uh, tomorrow, I mentioned this last week, but I was on a retreat with uh, 10 pastors from the Antioch Movement of Churches down in Texas, went to this big ranch. But it was really weird, right? I had been looking forward to this uh, for a while because it's just super awesome time to connect with some guys that I've known for a number of years now, share about our lives, pray for each other. But... uh, I can't remember exactly when it happened, but that morning, Monday morning, I got up really early. Liz Ball gave me a ride to the airport. She was going away for work, and um, I just started to feel some anxiety. And the way it, 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 it manifests for me is I just get kind of this pain or this tightness in my chest. Sometimes it feels kind of like a weight, and then it can, this time it, it was just this physical sensation kind of going up to my left shoulder. And I knew exactly what it was because th- I am not unfamiliar with that feeling. Um, when we were first married, uh, I had a bout of anxiety that was very similar in feeling, heaviness on my chest. And I remember driving in the car and listening to a story on NPR radio. It was talking about soldiers experiencing, you know, PTSD. And the, the guy was just describing just kind of the emotional pain and how it manifested for him physically. And I said, oh my gosh, like that's what I'm experiencing. Not that I had PTSD, but just the grit of like, wow, things that are going on internally can actually do something to your body physically. And I have to say, that was the first time I started to understand as I was listening to the radio and this, it was talking about this guy kind of harming himself or doing things to relieve the pain. I was like, wow, I finally understand why people cut themselves. It was that level of intensity that I was feeling. Like, I, there was nothing, for, for weeks, for months, there was nothing I could do to alleviate the, the weight. It was, like, difficult to take a deep breath, the, the tension, the pain in my chest. And I just, I just finally said, wow, okay, I get it now. This is why people cut themselves, because they want to relieve that pain that they feel in a physical way, to, feel, to have some other sensation that's not just this other one that's just dominating them the whole time. Now, I I share that to say, you know, many of you maybe have struggled with some kind of chronic condition, whether it's depression or some physical ailment that has afflicted you for maybe even years. What do do we do with, with these things? Especially in the context of where, as followers of Jesus, we believe that God is good and that he's with us. And yet, we go through very difficult things in our lives. 
Now, today is Mother's Day, and so in a lot of ways, that's a very happy occasion. But as I was thinking about that, you know, mothering is a difficult thing. And I would wager, if I had to bet, I, don't, I think mothers have maybe experienced more pain on this earth than anyone else. I mean, just to think about, you know, all of what it takes to bear, bear this child and then to see your child suffer in some way, maybe even something that I've been talking about. So the question I want to pose today is, what hope is there in the midst of difficult circumstances that seem like they're not going to go away? What do we do and how do we relate to God when it feels like he's holding out on us and there's no hope that anything will change? And furthermore, as we're in this word of the Lord for 2019, what what we've sensed God is speaking to us, that we are to learn, as, as Paul says, to rejoice always, that in every season and every circumstance, God is leading us as a people to learn to rejoice. How in the world do we do that in the midst of something difficult? Something that feels hopeless. Something that has maybe dragged on and it seems like there's no, there's, no, there's no hope. Well, this is a pretty amazing book, I have to say. <clears throat> and we're going to be continuing our series today in the book of Lamentations, a book that was written by an anonymous author. Many people think it was Jeremiah. Scholars tend to think not because of the way they've analyzed the language of it. But whoever it is, they were a person that survived the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 587 B.C. And that was a a catastrophic event for the Jewish people. Because not only did they they experience just the horror of war, rape and just death, and their best and brightest being exiled, taken away from that land, and then their survivors being left, left to pick up the pieces, but also it just destroyed their, their way of life and seemingly their whole religion because uh, the Babylonians came in and, and burned and destroyed the temple. And so they lost not just family members and loved ones and their land and nation and maybe children, but they also lost their, their religion, so to speak, in, in the way that they understood it at that point because the temple and the presence of God were now gone, removed. We talked about the structure of the book of Lamentations. It's five poems. They're all acrostic poems, which means each verse starts with the, this next successive uh, letter of the alphabet in Hebrew, not in English. So if you look at the English Bible and you go, that's not true. It was written in Hebrew. So if you, if you know Hebrew, you'll see it. But if you don't, then you won't. I'll just say, it's poetry, okay? And um, today we're going to be reading what I think is probably one of the most difficult passages in the Bible to read if not the most difficult. And you'll see as soon as you read it. So turn to chapter 3. We're going to start by reading verses 1 through 20. So hang with me. It's a lot of verses to get through. But um, what I want you to do is obviously open up your mind and try to understand what's going on. But also, as I said last week, just read this with your feeler. Like the author is emoting here, and you need to kind of 
enter into the emotion of what he's saying. Lamentations 3, verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He's walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. He's broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them. My soul is downcast within me. All of this, the author is emoting to God and saying, you did this to me. He says, my endurance has perished, verse 18, a different translation, so has my hope from the Lord. All that I had hoped from the Lord is gone. In this chapter, I just think it gets more personal and it's the center of the emotion of this book. Last week, we heard the line, the Lord is like an enemy, and this week it is, the Lord is like my enemy. Verse 12, this is kind of my paraphrase. He used me for target practice. Verse 11, he dragged me off the trail and mauled me like a bear. I think of the horror of, you know, you hear the stories in Colorado or California of what that scene is like. Verse 8, he, he just shuts out my prayer. Right, the heavens are bronze. Verse 2, he's made me walk in darkness. Verse 3, he gave me the, the back of the hand again and again. Verse 16, he's, he's broken my teeth. He trampled me in the dust. This guy is not pulling any punches with God. He is getting real, as we spoke about last week, with the facts and also his feelings of what he is experiencing. The horror of war, the loss of their way of life, loved ones. And that is exactly what the Bible is inviting us to do in the place of difficulty of our lives. Guys, that's the Bible. 
The Bible is saying this is what we are to do in the hard places of life. God, this, do, you, like, do you understand the difficulty of this passage? Do you hear what, what this guy is saying? You did this to me and you did this and this is how I feel and this is what it's like. This happened. And God said, yeah, let's put that in the Bible. I mean, I wouldn't have done that. I would have said, let's, let's get the good pictures in here. You know what I'm saying? So that my rep looks really good. No. This made it in there. Why? Because this is real. Your emotions and what you feel matter. Your experiences matter. And the pattern in the Bible is that we need to get those things out before the Lord. Now, there's a difference, as someone shared yesterday, actually, in our life group. You'll notice, though, that in this passage, the character of God is never maligned. He's just stating, this is what happened. He's saying, you did it to me. This was the punishment you brought right, on our people. And again, as I you know, said before, God sent lots of prophets for hundreds of years to this nation of Israel, warning them, turn away from the wickedness. Stop sacrificing your children to idols. Stop cult prostitution. Stop oppressing the poor. Injustice. Hundreds of years God was patient, but finally, for whatever reason, it had to happen. But this person is not attacking the character of God. And I think that's a piece of what the difference is between that series we had before, but said that complaining is the devil, but this is not. But this is God. Complaining is assaulting God's character, and it's usually not directed to God. When you've got a problem with someone in your life, you can go two directions. You can go to that person, or you can go to somebody else and talk about them. This is complaining, or if it's with a person, it's slander. This is getting it out on the table and dealing with it in the context of a relationship. This is relational. That's what he's doing. He's saying, God, this is awful. This is terrible. And you brought it about. You brought the punishment. And I don't know what to do. But this hurts. He's coming to God with what is wrong. But he's not candy-coating it, sugar-coating it. He's getting real. The first semester uh, of seminary for me, I went through a similar experience of anxiety. Uh, probably a combination of things, working too hard, you know, fear surrounding kind of, am I able to do this whole like crazy grad school deal? And I was a math major, so reading books and writing papers was totally foreign. And what happened was I had that same feeling that I described where I had this weight on my chest for like months just wouldn't go away. And I, had, I, did, I just didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't want to go to a doctor and get meds. And I'm not saying that that's bad. I just, I don't know, I, you know. I'm not saying that's bad. Please don't take it that way. I just didn't want to do that. But I also didn't know where to go with all of this. I can remember kind of, you know, crying out to the Lord, like, you know, you know what do I do? Where do I go? Just processing this with him. I would, I would take long walks. Uh, I lived in Magnolia at that time, up the neighborhood of Gloucester. And 
the shore road is this road that runs around the edge and it's kind of, you know, surrounded on three sides by water. And I would just remember it, late at night, I would, just, I would just go and walk and just feel this pain and cry out to God. That is what we are to do with this. And notice also that this is not dealing with the why of why you're experiencing that. It's not giving you that answer. And as we said last week, that's not going to fix the problem. Even if you had the answer of why someone died or the answer of why this had to happen or why you're struggling with anxiety, that doesn't fix the problem. Let's keep reading. Verse 21. Starts to get good here, okay? Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I will wait for him to come rescue me. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is young. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust, there may yet be hope. Let him offer his cheek to the one who would strike him, and let him be filled with disgrace. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. For he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. To crush underfoot all prisoners in the land, to deny people their rights before the Most High, to deprive them of justice, would not the Lord see such things? Referring to all the injustice that was in the land, that God brought this punishment to rid the land of that. Who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? Why should the living complain when punished for their sins? The center of that, there's a couple of places I want to highlight, but you, let, me hear you, let, me, let me let you hear these words again from verse 33. He does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. The author, amidst all of the horror that he's experiencing, is grounded in one thing. It's the character of God. Somehow in the midst of the darkness he's experiencing, he's saying, you know what? I will call this to mind, and therefore I will have hope. I know that God is good. Even though he brought this disaster about, even though, right, as it says, who can speak and have it happen if the Lord has not decreed it? Is not from the mouth of the Most High that both calamities and good things come? He says, even though that is true, even though God is sovereign, even though that God is in, in charge of this whole universe, he can also say he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. I can't explain that to you. I'm sorry. But I can say this. I know that God is good. Even though right now I'm feeling right here that anxiety. I can tell you, you know what? God is good. And so I have hope. Because God is good. His compassions never fail. 
right? Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love. No one is cast off by the Lord forever. Hallelujah. It is that faith, right? We've talked about facts, feelings, faith is where we have to go in trusting that God is good, grounded in his character, that he does care for us, even in the horror that we experience, even in the horror that this book is recognizing is here in this world. We focus on the goodness of God and the gospel of grace. This guy doesn't even know what we know. For him, there's a question mark if the Messiah will ever come now that the whole nation's been destroyed and the temple is gone. We know it's already happened. We get to put our faith not just in the character of God, but also in the gospel, the victory of Jesus, who entered into the horror of this world, right? Someone tried to murder him when he was two years old. It's a pretty dark place. He entered into this world fully human, experienced all that we experience in life, and ultimately was put to death an innocent man, wrongly accused, hung on a cross. And in that moment, God reconciled the world to himself. You have a God who is willing to suffer and walk alongside of you. So we talked about in the book of John, the picture of God is not distant and separate, although he is different from us. It is one who comes near, suffers with. A God who serves us, not who we serve. Primarily. And that is why, because God is so incredibly good, this author can say, God's my portion. God's my share. If all I get is God, I will be content. Even if everything else in my life is stripped away, I know that I have God, and I know that he's good. As St. Augustine said, right, my soul was restless until it found its rest in thee. So another season of my life when I experienced anxiety was when I worked as a camp counselor. Uh, this summer, I worked there three summers. It was my last summer. I was in charge of all the other counselors. There was also this girl that I was interested in, and, and she came to camp and hooked up with another guy. That was awful. And, um, and partly for me and my personality, kind of, you know, drivenness, uh, I just was like tr- really wanting to do a good job. That's kind of my MO. And like not knowing how to do it. As a counselor, it was easy. It was like hang out with these kids, tell them about Jesus, have a blast, run all over camp. It'll be great, you know. As the leader of all these counselors, is like, how do I do this job? I have no idea. So just major stress, emotional things going on. I remember standing on the the side of the chapel that overlooked the lake that this camp was on and just feeling this weight. It was the first time I had really experienced this in my life and going, what the heck is going on with me? 
And after days and then weeks and it not going away, just being like, feeling like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I cannot feel this feeling anymore. This has to go. But there being no relief. I remember just talking with the Lord and saying, okay, Lord, if this never goes away, I still love you and I will follow you. But this is awful. (laughs) That is where we have to go. It is really the only place to go. I want to say, God does not want to leave us there, though. Let's, Let's end by reading verses 55 through 57. We see he gets real facts, feelings. He moves to this expression of faith in the character of God. He says, you know what, I'm not letting this go. Even if my experience is screaming that God is terrible, he's done this to us, etc. And then he moves into this next place of friendship. Listen to these words. 55. He speaks, I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit, And then you heard my plea, do not close your ears to my cry for relief, he says. You came near when I called you and you said, do not fear. You realize that's the only words in this whole book that God speaks. Three little words, do not fear. But that's enough. Because it also says he came near. And that is where God wants to meet you in your place of difficulty. Your circumstances may not ever change. And whatever they are, we want to believe with you and pray and ask God and work towards, right, the kingdom of God, towards heaven coming to earth. We may not see the victory, but one thing that God promises us is that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And our job is to move to this place of friendship where God is not genie who just fixes all the problems in my life, but a friend who you, who you want to know and be with. He promises that in that place, he will draw near to you and speak. Do not fear. And Jesus finishes that sentence when he says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He's overcome it. He's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your problem. That's the gospel. Jesus came, took on human flesh. There's a a human being in the Trinity. Do you realize that? Forever and ever, Jesus is a person. It's not like he was a person for a little while, now he's back in heaven, now he's God again. No, he's still God, and he's also a person. Forever and ever, God has said, there is a human being in the Trinity now. That is how much he values you. And even matter itself. Jesus lived this amazing life, expressing love, teaching us how to treat one another healing the sick, raising people from the dead. And so because he did all those wonderful things, we put him to death. But God raised him from the dead. He took victory over death. You see, that's the, that's the, first, the first win. 
So even if you never see the win, we will see the win, guys. He, he ascended. We, we, sometimes we stop at the resurrection, but he ascended to the right hand of the Father, saying, General Jesus has now just ascended to the throne and is orchestrating the invasion now of heaven to earth, which he started with Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes down so that heaven would come to earth. And that is why it says, Behold, I am making all things new. He will wipe every tear away. How is that possible? I don't know, but I believe it. Because Jesus said it. One day there will be no more sorrow or suffering. How is that possible? I don't know, but Jesus will do it. That's the promise we stand on, this side of the cross. It's incredible. And even in the midst of, of what you're going through, God has something for you. On Friday night, while I was texting with my friend Joel, who's doing the pictures today, I was trying to get cute. And uh, he said, well, what are you, you kind of looking for? And so I, I Googled, you know, like awkward family photos. I sent him a couple pictures. And I'm not going to show it to you because I'll probably start laughing. But I, but I sent him this picture of this family, you know, one of these crazy ones online, and this one kid is just getting, like, mauled by the family dog, and everyone's just sitting there laughing. And I just lost it. I could not stop laughing. I mean, it was just, I, I haven't laughed like that in so long. It was, it was just, so, so if you don't follow Jade on Instagram, like, and you want to see, she starts shooting videos of me while I'm like, can't stop laughing. I'm like, so if you want to see the video, you can, Jade Flora on Instagram, it might, it might make you start laughing, right, guys? Yes, okay. So I share that to say I'm still feeling this anxiety, but in the midst of that, right, there was this picture of, like, of joy, of uncontrollable laughter. And that's what God wants to bring to us on this journey that we're walking through, through these difficult places in our lives. I have some friends who went through a really difficult season this past year, uh, husband and wife. And the wife was struggling, actually, interestingly enough, I didn't plan this connection, but with anxiety, very severe. And the husband, a good friend of mine, is just kind of crying out to the Lord and saying, God, you could snap your fingers right now and, and just end this. This is incredible. I mean, just... Such a long period of just walking through this really difficult struggle for their whole family, kids, etc. And he just sensed in that moment the Lord say, you're right, I could do that. But if I did, you would miss something I want to give you both along the way. So we don't always know why, but for whatever reason, we have these struggles in our lives. Obviously because... The world is broken, and God is on the, on the move trying to mend that. But God, the point of that is God has something for you in the midst of the struggle. He longs to draw near and to speak into your situation. Do not fear. Take heart. I've overcome the world. One day, every tear will be wiped away. There will be no more sorrow or pain, or suffering. That old order 
that you are currently experiencing, that will pass away. And it will give way to the new way, the way of the kingdom. So have the worship team come back up. Let's respond today. Here's the two things I really sense that God wants to do this morning. Because he's here in this room with us right now. So you're not just leaving. I don't want you just to leave with, that was great, Brian. Those are some nice little truths. I want you to leave having met with Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to two different things. If we have the prayer team come up and kind of be on the sides or the back, and they'll have a banner on. You can see these guys have badges right there, so you'll know who those people are. But I just, I just sense two, two pieces. Let's, let's just stand to get our bodies moving with our hearts. If you're struggling even to uh, that first piece that I said of having faith that God's good, I want you to just to come up front to this, to this, my right, your left side over here. We want to pray for you just to experience, to know, to have the faith to believe that God's good even if you're going through something really difficult. And on this side over here, I want to say, hey, Maybe you're you're in that place, but you just want to meet God as friend. Kind of that friendship that Jesus promises. No longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends. And enter into that place where you can call out to the Lord and hear him speak back to you. We want to pray for you in that as well. So faith over here, just to believe in the goodness of God. I just have faith that God wants to meet you today. Just come, receive prayer. Okay, over here, friendship, just encountering God. So Holy Spirit, come, fill this room. We don't have to do anything super spiritual to hear from you or to connect with you. We just, we just welcome you like we would a friend because you're our friend. So I say, come Holy Spirit. Fill this room and meet people in their places of darkness where they feel that you've done them wrong. We need you. Would you come near now, Holy Spirit, and speak, do not fear. Thank you, Lord. So come.